Today's scripture comes from Proverbs chapter 10, verses 11 and 12 and 18. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, but whoever utters slander is a fool. This is Proverbs 12, verses 17 to 20. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. This is Proverbs 16:28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs chapter 17, verses 4 and 9. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats the matter separates close friends. This is the word of the Lord. We are in a series on wisdom, and last week I gave kind of a hard and, and kind of a heavy message about how we use our tongues, and often how we use our tongues is quite bad. Um, and today I want to have a follow-up message and particularly with, a one, with one specific way that we use our tongues that's bad, and that is typically through deceit and through gossip. Um, I want to talk about deceit and gossip. Um, the Bible takes us very, very seriously. And um, you know, just the, these few selections of verses you heard today, th- that's just a little bit. I mean, the, the, I have, uh, you know, this is, uh, I like pages. <laughs> And, um, and then there's even more. So Proverbs hits this subject a lot. And the series that we did right before we did wisdom, we actually did, uh, we called it Gospel Completes Law, and it was on the Ten Commandments. And if you, commandment number nine is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And most people take that to mean, it, you know, it's about lying, don't be a liar. And um, I I taught you then that it isn't exactly just about not lying. It's really about speaking truth unto justice. The issue is justice. And that truth always serves justice. And then be a speaker of truth unto justice. Um, That's a sin to violate that. And and it's also a crime. Um, But today this is interesting because we're going to touch upon a similar thing. But here we're talking about in the context of wisdom. So really what the Bible is saying is that if you you run your mouth in such a way that you regularly lie, pass on lies, even if you're not necessarily intending to pass on lies, but that really there's a spirit of deceit and there's a spirit of tearing down. Um, That's kind of like how you run your mouth or, as I said last week, if you run your thumbs. That's That's the other way we do it today. If that's how you operate, the Bible's saying that is incredible foolishness. So it really, it's really both saying both. That if you operate inside of a kind of slanderous uh, mode, um, that's not unto justice, that's sin. But it's also saying it's really, really, it's really, really stupid. <laughs> and you are not putting power and strength into your life. And you're putting out a certain kind of poison into life. And it's going to come back. It's going to come back to, um, to get you in certain ways. And so today we're talking about this as an important point of wisdom. So let's get into it. Um, actually, I can't really see the clock, so I'm going to be nice. 
and uh, pull out this, okay? Um, see how, so that I don't go, because you know, I'm sure this guy never goes too long, right? So let's, um, three parts. Part one, deceit, division, gossip, and slander. I know those are somewhat different things, but to the Bible, they all are kind of similar things. They all come out of the same kind of spirit. And the way you can see that spirit is it comes out of here. It comes out of people's mouth and out of their lips. So deceit, division, gossip, and slander. Part two, I want to give you something that is kind of the, that, that is the antidote. And so the antidote is earning trust and becoming worthy of trust. Earning trust and becoming worthy of trust. So this, this, today's message is like from the scripture. It's, uh, I'm kind of giving you mostly the, um, the negative portion, but I also want to give you the key wisdom of how do you go the other way, which is earning trust and becoming worthy of trust. And let's close with some good news from God, which is the truth that heals our hearts and our tongue. Because we really need a healing here and here. Okay? So part one, deceit, division, gossip, and slander. Um, let's just hear some, just hear some of this. You know, you, you can hear some of these words. Um, so chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, which, are, which is the first ones that our sister uh, read. Here's what she says. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And, you know, I, I said this early, or earlier on. The very first key piece of wisdom is righteousness, real righteousness. It's, it's really a, unusual our society thinks if you're wise, it has nothing to do with being smart, but your character is like a whole other separate issue. But the Bible totally thinks your character is the fundamental issue. But here, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. There's something angry and, and, um, and hateful going on inside. And the mouth you know, runs in all kinds of different ways to conceal it, and then to operate according to it. Um, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife. But love covers all offenses. Let's just stop for a little moment here. Um, there's a lot of people who today who consider themselves good people. And they have, like, they, they have, they have, I have these good intentions. I have these good feelings. Sort of, but I'm a loving person. But that same person turns around and they're the biggest gossip you know. They're the person that regularly stirs up strife. Let me tell you, that's not a loving person. One of the simplest and most powerful and profound ways you can figure out if a person is actually a loving and a good and wise person is their love covers offenses. That's what love does. Because we're always offending. We're always having offenses. But the love covers offenses. Today, I hear this is a regular thing in colleges. Somebody says something which a rational person would not consider offensive. But immediately someone goes, you're bad. That's a piece of violence. It's, not, it's actually not a piece of violence. But that's bad. And they get offended. And then they attack with their mouth. And they think it's a piece of good thing. That's like a common thing that's going on today. And it's happening in, 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 our, in our discourses. But then, of course, that happens in this typical little, you know, you're, you're with your friends, and one of the person acts like a friend. But then when you're not around, they stir up strife. They stir up strife. And so pay attention to what the Bible's saying here, and then just think, consider who your friends are, your coworkers, and don't just 
Size them up according to your feelings or what they say or whatever their good intentions are. You have to size them up according to real, serious wisdom and truth. This is a really good one right here. Hatred stirs up strife. It comes out of the mouth. But love covers offenses. Let's go to chapter 10, verse 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. It's really interesting how the Bible puts it. Hatred leads to lying lips. It's, there's something about this. Um, and whoever utters slander is a fool. And um, I, I, I've been thinking about how this tends to operate. You're like, well, a person hates, so it doesn't necessarily mean they lie. Well, actually, they often do. It often goes together. So you hate somebody, you're looking at that person through this negative lens, and then as soon as you, you, know, you, you look at somebody, and then you tell somebody else, well, this person is like, and then you say something that's, you know, kind of ne that's negative. And in your mind, it's true. But really, it's a, it's a kind of half-truth. You understand? To the Bible, a half-truth is a lie. And you guys understand what a half-truth is. It is a truth, but it's taken out of context. It's twisted to present the matter only in one light. So person hates somebody, then what they do is they only present, they look at that person through only a negative lens. And then when they go talk about that person, they talk only through the negative lens. It's, it's actually not a fair and full presentation of the person. So what you get is lying lips. See how that works? And um, I don't know a soul alive who isn't guilty of this. If you have never hated anybody, then I guess you're not guilty. <laughs> but um, if you're a person who regularly is angry at somebody and hates somebody, this is probably how we use our lips. And now it's even worse because now we, you know, we, we do it this way, we throw it up on social media. And I would even say that most of today's news is built this way. It's really quite horrible. News is quite built this way. So much of news today is half-truths. And, and I'm not trying to, you know, you know like uh, make a political statement here. As far as I can tell, it, it's going on on the liberal side and the conservative side. Right? And so whenever people look at the other side, they only see them through the hatred. <laughs> and thus, then they present them through the half-truth. And they think that's the truth. But it's really the half-truth. And so, it is slander all the time. So, whoever utters slander is a fool, according to the Bible. We live in a totally fool society. It's crazy. It's crazy. And brothers and sisters, we need to be different. We need to be a wise people. There are lots of people today who don't know anything about God or the Bible or Jesus, and they don't respect this. But they want real wisdom. They want, they want to meet somebody who has something better, who treats, you know, and handles life something better, and they desperately need this. And when they experience it, Jesus says, you know, wisdom is, uh, is justified by his children. You know, it's like there's a, there's a power there, and people could feel its power, even if they're not happy about the message of the Bible. Um, let's just offer a couple other ones. Here we go. Uh, this is chapter 12. I, this just... Here's several, right out of chapter 12, verse 17. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence. So, I mean, you guys have heard me say this multiple times. Um, 
Evidence, 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 not narrative. A narrative without evidence is lies, okay? There should be evidence. And so please be, and that's another way, you know, we, we, uh, we, we hear this thing. Somebody tells you something about someone else, and um, you know what that is? It's just a rumor or gossip. That's the kind of modern ver words we use. Rumor, gossip. And one of the things I want to offer you to you today is someone tells you, you don't know this person, they immediately tell you, um, this person is, is, a, is, is a greedy person or a mean person or a lying person or something like this. And so you don't know this person, and so someone else says this about you, and then now this is the way it colors your eyes. You know what? You, sh you shouldn't believe that yet. You shouldn't believe that yet. You know what you should do? Look for evidence. And so over the course of my life as a pastor, I have found that you know, it's, it's really interesting. Various people have told me this person's like this, this person like this, this person like this. And then I kind of go in with this negative view of this person. And then when I meet them, and then you know what I find out about, you know, after two or three or five interactions, I find that it's wrong. I actually find that it's wrong. That this thing that I heard is just wrong. And they're like, well, now I have five interactions. Five interactions is evidence piling up. You know what I'm finding out? That thing was wrong. So one important piece of wisdom that I want to offer to you that I've kind of learned, you know, the hard way sometimes as a pastor is give people benefit of the doubt. Give people benefit of the doubt and look for evidence. Okay? Verse 18 of chapter 12. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. See, not division, not strife but healing. Verse 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Think about that. Do you want, do you want to be gone in a moment? And this is really important too. People who speak the truth and regularly speak the truth, especially if it costs them, over time, today, they might get pushed down or mocked or something like this, but over time, they endure. Their name endures, their reputation endures, and respect for them will arise. So brothers and sisters, stand with the truth, walk in the truth, talk in the truth. Verse 20, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Um, let me go to 16.28. A dishonest man spreads strife. And a whisper separates close friends. Here we go. A whisper separates close friends. Um, the Bible talks about things like this. It's, you know, this word is the whisper. And today we call it the gossip. This thing that I'm saying to you, it's not, is it really new? It's not really anything that many of you don't already know. So conceptually, it's relatively easy to take in. But in terms of actually following it in your life, it's actually hard, isn't it? Um, I've already uh, brought out a couple things that today that we, you know, even inside of, of the way the news works, but I don't know if you understand that today it's actually harder to operate inside of this than especially I'm thinking about the young people that today that we're celebrating going off to college, they graduated high school. I was thinking, you know, when I was uh, 17 or 18 years old, it was, it was actually easier to live inside of this wisdom than it is today. So just offer you a couple points. 
Um, I don't know if you know today, but today when we, people think about truth, so when I was growing up, you know what truth meant? The truth was true to everyone, everywhere, at all times, at all places. Truth was universal. There's only one truth. If it's true or it's not. And to the poor guy in Africa or the, the, the rich white man in America or the middle class Asian, it doesn't really matter. True is true is true. Today, true is tribal. Truth is tribal. So different people have different truths. And it's tribal. And so this is what's going on. And so if truths are tribal and someone is not in your tribe, and then you hate them or you look down them because they're not in your tribe, then you know what you're going to do. You're immediately going to go look at them with hatred, and then you're going to have lying lips and all the bad stuff that, this, that these words say is going on. So the very practices of our culture and how we think about truth falls right into this thing. Brothers and sisters, you must not operate inside tribal truth. You must operate inside real truth, God's truth. Hear that? It's really, really important. And if somebody says to you, I'm so glad your truth works for you. <laughs> you know, I have my truths and you have your truth. That's the way it used to be said. I don't even know if they say it that way anymore. Understand, here's what they, what it really means is, because you can just change the word T-R-U-T-H to L-I-E-S, and it's the exact same thing. <laughs> I'm glad you have your truths. I'm glad you have your lies. You believe a different set of lies. I believe my lies. And since you like your lies, I don't like you. So today we call them truths, but God will call them lies. Um, it's even worse because of social media. So now we have this problem of tribal truth, and now it's all just kind of blowing up. Because with social media, what's going on is everybody gets to broadcast. <laughs> And so it used to be that only certain people gets to broadcast, and they, they supposedly had journalistic standards. So they're supposed to check their sources. That's the old standard. So that they're, they're not doing tribal truths. They're doing the truth. And then they report it to everybody else. But now everybody broadcasts, and they broadcast this. Half-truths and lies and gossip and rumors. So now, our news and the social media and everything, so don't be so quick and easy. You hear something, you read something on social media, and then we boom, and we click, and we, I mean, that's so easy. We click, you know, we, I don't know what, how you do it, click, and then, then, you, then you send it out to that many people, and then they, let's say you send it out to 10 people, and then they, each of them sends it out to 10 people, and then you, you send it out to one person who has 1,000 people in their social media network, and they send it out to 1,000 people. So it's just, it. It, it proliferates exponentially. And so we live in a society of wickedness and of lies and of stupidity. Okay, that's terrible. I want to offer you one more thing that's really important. Um, let's go to verse, let's go to this verse. All right. 17, um, chapter, verse 17, 4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. You know what this is saying? The reason why lots of people like to go out and give wicked things and lies is because we like it. That's what it's saying. 
There's all these evildoers out there. They give, they give, they listen to wicked lips. And um, there's, so there's a market for this thing. And so people are actually rewarded. <laughs> so now, if you're really good at outrage, outrage, which is maybe not even real, outrage, and then people make lots of money off this. And, and, and then even if it's not in money, inside your own social circles, you all probably know somebody who always knows the dirt, right? Don't you know somebody who knows the dirt? And, you know, we're like, oh, whoa, 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 what did he do? Oh, what did he do? Oh, she, did, she, she said what? And it's fun to hear this stuff, isn't it? We want to hear this stuff. Um, there's a, it, when I was in college, I read a really important book. It was called Confessions by Augustine, one of those brilliant Christians of all time. And some of you may have read this book, and there's this famous portion in there. He says that when he was a boy, that they would go into the, you know, the neighbor's yard, and they would steal pears. And then he has this whole, like, discourse where he says, why did we do that? <laughs> why did we do that? The pears weren't, didn't taste good. They weren't, they didn't look good. And it's not like we could go and make money for them. We often would just steal, and then we would throw them away <laughs> after we got away with it. And you know what he concluded? We stole the pears because we liked stealing. <laughs> That's what he said. We stole the pears because we liked it. In other words, we liked sin. That's why we did it. And today, I'm just, you know, updating you confessions. We like, the reason we hear gossip is because we like it. The reason we, there's lots of rumors and slander and tearing down is because we like it. That's why. Brothers and sisters, if you like it, you should repent. And if you like it, let me tell you, God does not like that. And if you really, really like it and continue to like that, God won't like you. <laughs> you should take that very, very seriously. God absolutely hates this. The, the, word, the Bible uses words like abomination, which is the Bible's way of saying God hates it unto damnation. I mean, he absolutely hates this. He'll burn this stuff down. So if you like it, it's very, very serious business. You should start to learn to hate it. We really need to learn to hate it. Now, one more reason. Because we need to, if you're going to get down to the repentance, we need to get down to the roots of why we like it. I want to give you one, it's not the only reason, one basic reason we like it is because we're so wicked and we just like sin. That's Augustine's point. But I want to give you a little bit of a different point. Another reason why we want to hear bad things about other people is because deep down we're empty and insecure. We're empty and insecure. And because we're empty and insecure, you know what? We want to find out that somebody is worse than we are. <laughs> That's really what we want. You're like, I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the prettiest person. I'm not, the, I'm not a good person. But we love it when we find out that somebody's smart. It's something really, really stupid. We love it when somebody who's pretty and has like everything, you know, just like, <laughs> gosh, she doesn't have everything. And now... I feel better than her because look what happened to her because she did this stupid thing and we could tear her down and spread that thing around and inside we get this little feeling of superiority. 
Oh, it's, it's, it's lots of money on this. I mean, um, whole industries. First, we have a celebrity. They're so pretty. They were in a great movie. We build them up, and then we tear them down. That's what we love to do. And then we have our friend. And, you know, you have your group of friends, and everybody kind of knows uh, she's the smart one. She's the good one. She's the one who's going to change the world. It's going to probably cure cancer or something like that. And you're like, I'm not as smart. I'm not. But the, you know what? We love being able to just take them down a notch, don't we? Don't we? That's what we like to do. All right, let's go to part two. Let's talk about something better. <laughs> um, how do we, what is the, what is kind of the antidote, the behavior? Now, the real antidote is something has to happen in your heart. You have to change deeply in who you are inside. But some, some, one way to begin to change is you have different behaviors. Now, generally, you know, you have to change deeply on the inside than the external changes. But one way to start the change on the inside is to behave better on the outside. <laughs> it goes both ways. God is really wonderful. Sometimes you kind of have to fake it till you make it. <laughs> You tend to want to be a person that's not good. You know, you tend to be, you like spreading half lies, and we all are good at that. We're good at that. We're not good the other way. But we can, I want to offer you something, a way to go down the other way. And so the way it is, you have to think about people and earn their trust. Earn trust. It sounds super simple and super basic, but let me tell you, it's not easy. Earning somebody's trust, you, you, you know, you have to work at it a lot. And you have to do it consistently and consistently and consistently. Earning trust is slow, it's long, and it's hard. Destroying the trust is easy. <laughs> you can destroy it so easily with just some ridiculous words out of your mouth. Just in an instant, something that took you a long time to build, you can destroy quickly. But if you are a person that regularly seeks to earn trust and thus become trustworthy, that's the word we use, worthy, trustworthy, worth trust, then the way you use your mouth is a very important key. The way you use your mouth, build trust, win trust, seek trust. Now, I want to give you an important example of this. I mean, as a pastor, I know about this um, because... One of the things I really, really protect all the time is that you would trust me. Because if you don't trust me, guess what? I'm out of a job and that's it. <laughs> now, you know, I can't feed my family. And if I really break this trust in a really bad way, you know what happened? The guys in my, in my denomination might say, you can't even be a pastor anymore. You can't even go to another church. We, you're, you destroyed your trust so badly. That's it. I'm going to take your ordination away. So... Trust from a pastor. You know what a pastor's got? He's got trust. He's got knowledge of the Bible, and he's got trust. I protect that constantly. But let me give you a different example of a place where I found out that this super basic thing just, just brings life. It's crazy. So before we started Revive, some of you, you guys know, we we're part of a church that had a multi-year mission to a Native American reservation. It's out in Bishop, California. And for those of you who've never been out to a Native American reservation, Native Americans do not trust outsiders. They do not trust outsiders. And that's because the outsiders, especially those, you know, who have a white skin, have done them wrong over the years. 
So they don't trust outsiders. But they don't, it's not just that if they're white, they just don't trust anybody who's on the outside. And so we're obviously not from the reservation. And we go there and say, hey, we want to bless you and offer you the gospel and, you know, offer you something good. So we, we, we offer them these things. We, we don't like, there were, there was free haircuts. There was free VBS. A nurse came along. Various different things to bless their community. And some of them would come and receive those, those, uh, those ministries. But then you know what would happen? They would come and receive the ministries and then, then that'd be it. Because this is what was going on. Number of people who are supposedly righteous and have good, they look at the neighbors, oh, you guys are poor, you're oppressed. You know what we'll do? We'll come and be you know, good do-gooders for you. We'll do something good for you. So they'll come and the Native Americans would be like, oh, okay. You know, they would like basically go, here are these people who look down on us. And they condescend to us. And so, well, let's just use them. They're going to offer us something. Well, then we'll get that. We'll use them and we'll get something out of it. And then when these dumb jokers leave, good. They don't actually say that, but it's a common, repeated kind of pattern. And so after the first year or so, we could feel like we're being used. Some people would leave the reservation, come back from church, and they would report, I did all this stuff like that, and I didn't even get a thank you. And they felt used. You know why they felt used? Because they were. And so then in our training, we started to offer something in our training. And you, you can't teach everything. So we just began to emphasize a certain things. You know, the, the, the team had like eight-year-olds up to 70-year-olds. And obviously, you can't get, you know, there's a whole variety of different levels of maturity, etc. So you, we wanted a simple piece of messaging and here's what we used to teach. And, and I used to say this till I was blue in the face. I used to say, earn trust, build real relationships. Earn trust, build real relationships. And I knew as the leader, I'm going to say that to our team. The team might have 50 people. or It was a big team. Sometimes there was a year where we had like 100 people on the team. And I knew that the 100 people weren't all going to do this. But I knew it was important that some percentage of them would follow it. So I knew that a lot of our people would show up and you're like, I'm going to go do my good thing for Jesus. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be a part of, you know, like the, the, the ice cream team or the VBS welcoming team. And that will have been, I've done my good part. So I've done a little piece of work and I help the poor people, the poor Native Americans. And then, you know, six days later, I'll go home. And you know what all that was? All of that was self-righteousness. It didn't really help them and love them really was, it was using them. They'd go there, they're poor, I'll go do this thing for you. And then some of the people after we go home, they'd actually be upset because like, I felt used. We're like, but really God called us to serve them and bless them, period. That's the calling, period. And how can you bless them if you can't, if we can't even get them to trust us? You can't have a real relationship with someone until they trust you. And if you want to have a real relationship with someone, you know the first thing you got you to gotta get? Trust. So you know what we said? Earn that trust. Don't do anything that would break that trust. And if they then use us or hurt us, we'll come back for more. <laughs> it, the second year, the third year, 
took us about the fourth year. In the fourth year, we could feel it changing. But they're like, who are these weird Asians from San Jose? They must actually mean what they say. They come here and serve us on a 103-degree day. They live and sleep on the floor in that church in sleeping bags so they could do this for us. And they keep coming back. They must actually mean it. Brothers and sisters, you must mean what you say and you must act in a way that you mean it and keep doing it until you break people's distrust. And once you have that trust, let me say magical and incredible things start to happen. It's, it's like after the trust started happening, after about the year, the third or fourth year, incredible things start happening. Things that we could not have started happening on that reservation, it'll start to happen in your life too. Let's close. Um, I want to give you a word about the person that will help you be this kind of person. A person whose heart will help be healed so it won't be so insecure. I mean, we're supposed to be Christians and we go even do our piece of Christian work. We're going to go do our piece of Christian work, not for Jesus, but to kind of like settle our insecurity. See what I'm saying? And then we also turn around and we do gossip to help solve our insecurity, but it'll never solve it. It'll never solve. It'll never heal your lying lips. So I want to give you a verse. So it was read, but um, here's the verse that I want to emphasize, right? I started our worship service with this verse. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he repeats a matter, separates close friends. The devil loves to separate that which we should be together. And we are very often of the devil. And we operate do the works of the devil through our mouth, through our thumbs. But there was one who came to cover our offenses. He came to, like, there's an insecurity in us. He came to fill that insecurity and give us rest. There was shame in us because we say filthy things and we regularly judge people through half-truths and hatred. Instead, he came to heal that and love it, love us, though we did not deserve it. And all our offenses he took upon himself and he said, it'll go onto the cross and when I bleed, all your offenses will wash away with it. And the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that's the person you have to have in your life. That's the person who will fill up your insecurity. I want to give you one more verse that he said. He said this verse. This is a, I recommend you memorize this one. <laughs> it's really easy. John 14, 6. Here's how Jesus said, I am the way. Do you want a way? He's the way. Not a way, the way. I am the truth and I'm the life. Today we're talking about the need for truth. 
and to have a heart of truth. And in our hearts, we have all these little truths and half-truths. Somebody sees you with this idea like, you know, you're, you're not very smart. You're kind of ugly, so you can't be a part of our crew. You're not cool enough. And inside, it's kind of like, it's like a little truth. It's like a half-truth. And it's the kind of thing that, where the Bible says somebody puts like, it's like a word that's like a sword into your heart. And then it creates this insecurity. It creates this insecurity. And thus, then, we got to get better than somebody else. It's like, okay, okay, well, she is cooler than me, and she rejected me. Now I'm going to like get her back, or I have to be better than somebody else. And then we proliferate the evil. But what you need is better than little truth. You need something better than half-truth. You need the truth. The truth is not just an idea. It is a person. I am the way, the truth, who takes all your offenses and has removed them as far as the east is from the west. And when the truth is in your life, he is the truth. He's, he's not an idea up there. He is a presence in here. When the biggest truth is there, then all these little half-truths and even lies, they can dissipate because the biggest truth who loves you, who fills you, who gives you the deepest rest you can possibly be, can make your heart whole and make your lips wise. Brothers and sisters, receive the truth, the truth, the person. Rest in him, love him, Walk with him. And you'll talk to all everybody else in your life better and different and wiser. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in a world of wickedness and of lies, and we a people, people where hell is coming out of our hearts and out of our lips all the time. And you hate the half-truth, lying person. And we are so often very guilty of this. We don't even intend it, but then we pass on half-truths and lies through our media feeds. And so, in a world on fire, through treachery and slander, Lord, would you come in, come into our life and come into, the heart, into our hearts that what you have done for us, the cross which crucifies all lying and, and so all the wickedness of who we are would be washed away by the biggest truth, you, the biggest truth, the gospel. May you come in and heal our hearts and help us to speak in better ways, in wiser ways, in blessed ways. We thank you for loving us in this way and seeking love and showing us love even when we do not deserve it and so often reject you. Help us be a people that earns trust and becomes trustworthy because you are worthy of our trust, because you have won our trust. Make our hearts sweet and our life rich because we trust you and we offer trustworthiness to others. In Jesus' name.
Amen.